Hello, and welcome to Right Now with Ralph Martin, a podcast where author, speaker, and worldwide renewal leader, Dr. Ralph Martin, shares what the Holy Spirit is stirring up in the church right now. Words of encouragement from the Lord to strengthen you for such a time as this. We are glad you can be with us this week as we seek to encourage you for this moment in history. And now, your host, Ralph Martin. You know, our, our church is so rich in, in treasures, and, and the treasures oftentimes are people. And today we have Father Steve Matson from East Lansing, Michigan. And my wife, Anna, and myself, that's her hometown. We were at Mass one day visiting her mother. We heard Father Steve preaching. And we said, who is this guy? I'm just <laughs> combining, a, you know, a fully Catholic sense of the Eucharist with clear biblical teaching and we heard that we heard he had a really interesting story, so we we contacted Father Stephen, and he agreed to be with us and, and tell us the story. Welcome, Father Steve. Well, I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Good. Hey, why don't you uh, just kind of like start at the beginning? You were born, and then what happened? Well, I was born uh, in Eaton Rapids, a small town outside of Lansing, and uh, was raised in a, a Catholic home. I'm the second of four sons. And uh, we were a part of uh, Immaculate Heart of Mary Parish in, in Lansing, Michigan. And uh, we were faithful uh, in mass attendance. And the uh, seasons of Lent and Advent were very important in our household. But I would say that we didn't really grow in our personal relationship with Christ. And the reason I say that is because later on, uh, my parents got involved with the charismatic uh, renewal and through that, many of the families decided to send their kids to a Protestant high school to oh. really get a deep uh, sense of the faith, of the mm -hmm. scriptures themselves. And so I was reluctant to make that shift, but did. I visited this uh, Protestant high school in Lansing, and it was there that I really had an encounter with Christ. And I, I talked about Christ as my personal Savior in a way that I never had as a, as a Catholic growing up. and. Two years later, I, I, all of us, um, the three brothers, uh, two younger brothers who were at the school, and my parents, I think, were very impressed with what was going on. And at that time, my mother and father were also growing in their own faith and wanted more biblical teaching, uh, mm -hmm. and they weren't getting it in the homilies. And it's no criticism of, we didn't understand the sacramental dimension. We didn't realize at the time that the Eucharist was really why we came, that Christ was giving us himself in that way. And we were looking for uh, the feeding in the preaching of the word and uh, didn't feel like it was there. And so it was an agonizing process for my family uh, to begin to look at other churches. We went to mass every Sunday, then uh, would go to other parishes, other churches. And uh, we eventually uh, ended up, it was a year after I was uh, graduated from high school, visited a, an evangelical church in East Lansing, Michigan. And that preacher was really connecting with us. Uh, my older brother was uh, a couple of years older than I was dating. I was at that age. My younger brother was at that age. And the series that he was doing was on dating, very relevant teaching and yeah. biblically faithful. And uh, so it was pretty clear uh, to all of us that this was a place where we would be fed the word of God and it would be relevant and applicable to our lives. And so we, uh, we joined that church. For a while as an undergrad, I continued to go to Mass. There was something about the liturgy that I appreciated, though this other teaching was uh, so applicable to me. I wanted more and more of that and got involved uh, with the college group and eventually stopped going to Mass altogether. Uh, 
years later, my father became an elder of this church, and uh, I was involved in teaching the junior high and the high school and worked with adult education as well at, at this uh, evangelical church. And uh, eventually, um, my it's interesting, the beginning of my conversion was that my mother stopped going to church. She stopped going. There's only so many sermons that she could hear, and she found herself, as I did often, criticizing the sermon. Uh, you know, that's all you've got. There's not a litur- liturgy that uh, complements the preaching. And so as as time passed, she stopped going to church. My father was an elder of the, of the church, a little embarrassed that his wife wasn't there. But what's he going to do? He's not going to force his wife <laughs> yeah. to go to church. And uh, as time passed, uh, my mom was invited to go to the Tenebrae service uh, one Good Friday. My brother is a musician, and he was playing at the cathedral in Lansing. And... Uh, knew that she wasn't going to church and thought that she might be moved by this uh, experience. And she was indeed. And she wept during the Tenebrae service. And it was 1994. And she went to uh, Target uh, that next week and found the catechism, which had been recently published. And she read it as if it were a pulp novel, just cover to cover, mm. and uh, realized that she needed to return to the church. And uh, she did that a few months later. And my father followed suit. Well, wow, that was a big move for your father then, wasn't yeah. it? As the elder of a it, it church was. to... Yeah. Well, and what happened, uh, I think, was that he saw the fruits in my mother's life. Uh, he saw that the Eucharist, which is what had drawn her back, she had been missing it, though she couldn't have named that. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he returned, it was also... In fact, he went and talked to the pastor of the parish. Uh, the pastor, Paul Cummings, had been at Immaculate Heart and was uh, most recently at another parish. And he went and talked to him and he apologized. The pastor had said, it's dangerous for you to send your kids to a Protestant high school because they may lose their faith. And that pastor was exactly right, but he didn't know how serious it was. Not only did we lose our faith, my parents did as well. So my father reconciled with the church uh, by going to confession to that priest. And I saw changes in them. Uh, and that Christmas, they gave us the four sons, copies of the catechism and a bunch of apologetic books. <laughs> and uh, I, we promptly put them on the shelf, uh, not really seeing the need for it. A few years later, my brother... Were you continuing the evangelical church? Yeah, then? at yeah. the time, it was, it, was, uh, it was meeting my needs. At that time, uh, well, in 1994, I was, uh, I guess, 32. Yeah, and um, had been a part of that, that church for 13 years. And uh, a couple of years later, my brother and his wife were uh, looking for a new church. Uh, He had married a woman whose family was rather anti-Catholic, actually. But they moved to a new town. They moved to Eaton Rapids and were looking for a church. And the church that they found that taught truth, the only one that seemed to be teaching truth, was the Catholic church. And so my brother asked, why am I not Catholic? And and, uh you know, just a powerful witness of the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, biblical preaching that is effective. And the more they read, uh, the more convinced they were. And at the time, I had been elected an elder of the same church, the evangelical church. And uh, we were talking about moving and relocating. And uh, it seemed to me that we needed to move into the city to meet the needs of the poor. And I talked with the elders and the pastors about that. I said, you know, we need to think about Matthew 25 and uh, the sheep and the goats and meeting those who are the needs of those who are, are uh, uh, most helpless. And they said, no, 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 we need to get Main Street down first, which was preaching the gospel, getting people saved and having them come. And it didn't seem right to me. It seemed like Christ was saying that when we're judged, when the nations are judged, it's going to be based on how do you live? How do you love? Uh, 
we certainly need to know Christ. And, and I did in my Protestant years, but there was something more. The other thing that was frustrating for me was, uh, it was some questions about decisions the leaders had made and the way that they were treating people. And I, there was no one other than the nine men who were on the elder board and our scriptures and the Holy Spirit to appeal to when we had questions about the direction of the church, about the leaders and their actions. And so I was desiring, even though I couldn't have named it at the time, something like the hierarchy, an appeal to say, wait a minute, are we on the right track? And so hearing my brother's return to the church, his, his path in that direction, and my own frustration. And the, the third issue for me was the fact that we only had the Lord's Supper once every three months. And I knew that there was something central about the Lord's Supper, uh, the Mass, as we talk about it as mm-hmm. Catholic, uh, Catholics. And all of those things combined to my own study. And uh, during the uh, fall and winter of 1997 and 98, I began a journey uh, reading and praying and uh, agonizing. But then the more uh, I pursued it, the more convinced I became, then the... Uh, the, the clinching uh, event, uh, the summit, was an invitation to a parish in Grand Rapids, St. Francis Xavier. And uh, my parents just invited me there. It was the day after my birthday, and we went to Mass. And uh, this evangelical church that I was a part of had wonderful music, excellent preaching, high production values. This church in Grand Rapids uh, did not. At okay. the time, the, the priest who was there had a very thick Pakistani accent. The sound system seemed like tin cans hanging from the ceiling. Really a wonderful heart of people there. But I tell you what, I worshiped for the first time in 15, 20 years. I did not realize, and beginning as we begin the Mass, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I've sinned. Yep, I have. And then, you know, the going through the liturgy of the Eucharist, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Happy are those who are called to his supper. And I knew then that I was where I needed to be in that, in that mass. And, uh, it was, uh, a few weeks later that I went to confession, confessed the arrogance of thinking that I could discern from the scriptures God's will for myself and for the, ch- uh, the church that I was leading. And, uh, my really heresy and schism of splitting from the church. Mm. And uh, the penance that uh, Father Antikyer gave me uh, was, this is it, this is it. Thank God for your gift of faith, that though you left God's church, you did not lose your faith in Christ. Mm -hmm. And that just humbled me. And it was those two things, the Eucharist and uh, confession, the sacramental encounters with Christ through his priest that really brought me back to the faith. I know there's a lot more to the story, Father, but we're just going to take a short break. We'll come back and we'll hear the rest of the story. Okay. I'm actually standing outside of a building where each week hundreds of young people, mainly high school boys and girls, come for Bible studies. And this happens at other places around town, too. And one of the things we're doing at Renewal Ministry is trying to reach the next generation of young people. And so we have teams of people working in local high schools and doing special events for them, retreats and Bible studies. And we just really think that reaching the next generation is really important. And there's a, this is beginning to happen in other cities as well, where we can support chapters of similar things going on. So please become a 
partner renewal ministries and support us reaching our young people. Our young people are being carried off by a really hostile culture. We're trying to protect them and equip them and strengthen them so they can be witnesses to their fellow young people. So go to renewalministries.net slash partners and become a partner. Hey, welcome back. We just heard a, a wonderful beginning of a story from Father Steve Matson, who's the uh, one of the priests in East Lansing. Father, you were just kind of getting to the point where you're talking about how you came back to the church and what attracted you back to the church, but something must have happened since then because you're wearing black. It was interesting. I started going to daily mass and uh, many of the faithful, and I, I would say it's mo it was mostly faithful women who would come and they would see me, a single man, I didn't have a ring on, uh, and they would say, you know, are you single? They'd ask that question first. And I would say, uh, yes, I'm single. And they said, uh, and I knew I was coming, you know, have you considered the priesthood? And uh, uh, any young man they see in church, they absolutely they, they, daily yeah. mass attended, day, a prayerful. Uh, yeah. And the fact is, I hadn't thought about the priesthood. I, I had considered ministry as a Protestant, had dated women uh, and was really thinking about it at one point. But I would I wanted a wife and family. Uh, that was what I desired. And so even my mother, she said, uh, uh, Steve, do you mind if I pray that you become a priest? I said, yes. I didn't feel like that was what God was calling me to. But uh, I said, you know, pray that uh, I do God's will. And she said, of course, that's, that's her prayer for me. And I prayed too. And I spent uh, time in admiration uh, before the Blessed Sacrament and uh, prayed. And there was one time that I was there uh, and it was like the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Steve, you're thinking about this upside down. You're thinking about what you have to give up uh, to become a priest. You have to give up a wife and family. And that is something to give up. But think about what you have received from priests. Think about the grace of those words of absolution that brought you back into the church and uh, communion with Christ. And think about the Blessed Sacrament. And I had seen the fruits of the Blessed Sacrament in my life and a greater sensitivity to sin, a desire to love. And I was free as a single man to pursue this. And so instead of thinking that I'd have to give something up, I realized if I were married, I would not have this same freedom. And as a priest, I can be totally available to the people of God, to Christ's bride. And it would be an excellent thing for me, a privilege, a gift to me to be able to follow our Lord's example. And so that began the process of application. And uh, then I entered seminary in, in the fall of 2000. And then five years later, in June of 2005, I was ordained. And I tell you what, the day I was ordained, I said to the people at the reception, I've never felt more myself than as a priest. Mm. Yeah, it's true. Uh, it was, I was made for that. And uh, God knew it. And for whatever reason, I didn't get married before I came back into the church, but I am grateful that I'm now available to the people to serve them and to be a conduit of God's grace and mercy. Yeah, that's, uh, how was the seminary for you? You know, I tell you what, I didn't know what the transition would be, but there are, uh, I went to the University of St. Mary of the Lake, Mundelein Seminary outside of Chicago. I studied for Lansing, but, mm -hmm. and uh, I met great men, both in the seminary classes with me and the faculty members, very faithful. And uh, I, w I cannot speak highly enough of uh, my years there. It was a great uh, opportunity for me to grow in grace, knowledge of myself, knowledge of the scriptures, 
obviously knowledge of the sacraments and uh, theology. And uh, I count myself blessed uh, mm-hmm. for those five years. Yeah, good. You know, when I heard you preach, Father, I was very struck because what I saw was somebody who really understood the Eucharist and was celebrating it with reverence and faith, but also really understood the Word of God and was able to show how the Word of God illumined the Eucharist and how in the, the, the evangelical nature of the Eucharist, that the Eucharist itself is a proclamation of the gospel, you know, the Paschal mystery. And I, I could see you, you know, and it was really one of those tough Old Testament readings that you kind of would most pretty shy away from, but he didn't shy away from it. You know, he, he actually said something really meaningful about it and related it, you know, to, to life in Eucharist. And I just said, wow, that's, I can really see how the Lord used your time in evangelical churches and your, your time with the Bible and preaching and everything to, to really bring something that in some ways the Catholic church really needs. You know, I, I, I can't remember the exact uh, homily that you're referring to, but I really do see, uh, even though objectively I was away from the sacraments and I was, uh, I deprived myself of that. I see God as having redeemed those years. In fact, I grew closer to Christ in those years that I was away from the church than I had been before this. Sure. And so I see that I'm a better priest for those years. Yeah. Uh, I have a love of the scripture. And the fact is, the tradition in the church, as you well know, is it's our book. Yeah. Uh, and Jerome says, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. And uh, my spiritual director at the seminary said, Every day, every day, let the waters of Scripture wash over you. And he promises, uh, as I promise the people when I say the same thing, and when you wake up after you die, you'll recognize where you are. And I knew that for 18 years and for longer for my parents, they were in church. They had the fullness of the truth, but they didn't know the fullness of the truth. They didn't know him about whom we preach, Mm -hmm. not in a personal, intimate way. They didn't know Scripture. And... I see my, one of my roles, and as a priest, that's our first charge, is to teach, to mm-hmm. preach, to proclaim the truth. And so I was ordained on June 11th, which is the Feast of St. Barnabas, the Son of Encouragement. And I really see it as my privilege to be a Son of Encouragement to the faithful so that they know what they have. Yeah. And uh, what they're receiving. Yeah. And so, you know, it's so much in tune with what the Spirit really is moving the whole church to, you know, the, you know, it's so focused on renewing encounter with Christ and personal relation with Christ, the documents on evangelization and, and, and Father Stephen's whole path and whole journey sort of like uniquely equips him to lead that, you know, with confidence, yeah. knowing that, that his own experience is being confirmed by the spirit who are, who is saying the whole Catholic church needs to embody in some ways what you had been yeah. able to and what is interesting, I mean, all of that is exactly right. And when I preach, the people respond. That's a great uh, confirmation. And I always prepare my homilies uh, before the Blessed Sacrament so that I don't begin to pretend that it's me. Mm-hmm. It is the Holy Spirit that has got to superintend my preaching and my presiding. And I think that there is uh, a recognition on the seminarians who are studying right now and priests who are recently ordained that the table of the word has been relatively neglected. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is unity. It is Mm -hmm. Christ who offers himself in word and sacrament. And uh, it's a privilege to be a part of that and to see what God is doing in laymen and women as well as in the lives of priests Mm -hmm. and through their Mm -hmm. preaching. Father Francis Martin, who's a a well-known scripture Mm -hmm. scholar, is just saying that uh, the word 
is not supposed to be just words about truth, but it's supposed to invite us into a relationship and into an encounter. And it's supposed to illumine the encounter of, of the yeah. Eucharist, you know? And so it was just like, you know, it's just such like a, a renewed spiritual understanding about the word, not being just about concepts, but leading us into a relationship, you know, as well as having content, of course. And it's just, it's just sort of like exciting and encouraging to see the spirit, in, in different ways, sort of like bringing this forward in the church. Well, you know, true renewal, what Vatican Council yeah. is about, you know, uh, right. renewal for the sake of evangelization. And I think the, the fact that we are using the Old Testament as part of the lectionary now is an opportunity and a challenge. It was an Old Testament reading, as you said, that I was yeah. tapping in. People <laughs> don't know it. Yeah. They don't realize that that really unlocks our understanding of Christ and of the Eucharist, mm -hmm. uh, that covenant that Christ, that God made with, uh, the people of God, and we are the inheritors of the new covenant. Mm -hmm. So if we don't understand the old covenant, how can we understand the new covenant? It really fills in, and it, it uh, demystifies, as it were, the word of God, and God is revealing himself, his salvific will for us, most fully, most completely in Christ. But that's been his will for us, that loving move toward us. Yeah. Well, Father, something else you mentioned is the whole question about how diocesan priests live and how there can be support for priests. You know, the whole church now is coming to grips with this, and a lot of discussion about the priesthood and its relationship to the Eucharist. But you're saying how you didn't think you could live the way diocesan priests live. But what, what, what do you think the Lord wants there? Like, like support, friendship, or, you know, what? Well, I, th I think uh, in Genesis, uh, God said, it's not good for man to live alone, uh, to be alone. And uh, obviously there it's talking about the fact that Adam did not have a, uh, a partner, mm -hmm. Eve. But the truth is we are relational because we are created in God's image. We're made for love. And I think that if I'm going to lead people into a life of love, I need to know what it means to be in relationships of love. Mm -hmm. And part of that is I need to know I need to have a relationship with brother priests who can help me live a life into which I can draw others mm -hmm. to know Christ and to be called uh, to account, but also supported in the struggles that we face together. And I think that that move is occurring within seminaries and in presbyterates uh, mm -hmm. across the country. Mm -hmm. You mentioned some other priests that you're in contact with, maybe finding ways of supporting each other and getting together and... You know. Yeah, there's there's always been uh, a recognition that that's that need is there, but I think we may try to figure out ways to reconfigure uh, living together. Yeah, sure. In, in, not in, in going out ways to serve monasteries, parishes, but yeah. exactly yeah. where we'd be able to pray together. Yeah. And I think if I'm living a lonely life, uh, I may dry up spiritually, yeah. and I may not be able to then. Uh, lead the people well. I may lose my connection with the Christ yeah. who is revealed in the scriptures yeah. and in sacraments. Father, we only have a few minutes left, but is, is there just anything on your heart you just like to say directly to other people? Is there any I'll tell word? you what, I, um, priesthood for me, uh, people have asked me what I was surprised at uh, in becoming a priest. And I had been told by priests who had been ordained before me that they were surprised by the suffering of the people of God. And I saw, I tried to be able to anticipate that. And uh, uh, they're right. People are suffering and they need priests and they need the sacraments. What I wasn't surprised for, uh, what I was surprised by even more was the joy of living as a priest. Uh, I tell you what, to celebrate the sacrament of, of uh, reconciliation, I thought it was a great grace to hear those words of absolution, but to be so close to the mystery, to, to hear 
the self-accusation of sin and then to be able to speak those words of mercy. Uh, amazing to be that close to the mystery of God's love and mercy. Yeah. And uh, it's a great grace. Good. Well, I, I just think we should really thank you, Father Stephen, for being here today, but even more for giving your life to Christ like you are for us and for Christ. I think we should just really thank God for the men and women who are giving their lives uh, in, in celibate sacrifice to, in order to, to love God and to love us. And let's just pray for priests and thank God for priests and uh, especially pray for these new young priests that God may just protect them and strengthen them. And until next week, this is Ralph Martin and, and Father Steve Madsen wishing you the very best, a life faithful to Jesus, a life rooted in him and his church, a life that's filled with the sacraments and filled with the word of God, filled with love. This podcast is brought to you by Renewal Ministries, part of the Renewal Podcast Network. If you are enjoying this podcast, we invite you to help us spread the word by leaving us a rating or review, following or subscribing to this podcast, or sharing on social media. Until next time, this is Right Now with Ralph Martin. Ralph Martin.